0: Hello, everybody. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I want to welcome you to the Mind for Life podcast, a program where we explore how we think as human beings, how our thinking is related to the outcomes that take place in our life and how we can get better at thinking and ultimately better at living. Thanks for joining me today, and today I want to start out with this one question for you. Why do we only listen to information we agree with? Now, of course, that may be a little bit of a stretch. We don't only listen to information that we agree with, but we often and increasingly more the case today when we have computer algorithms that give us information that we agree with. Why is that the case? Why do we suffer from this bias in thinking We're going to explore that today on the program. The bias is called confirmation bias. And so we're going to look a little bit about how we think, how we perceive, and why it is that we seem so often to only listen to information or that we find information or that we interpret information in ways that we agree with. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the program. Again, do want to direct your attention to our website, mindforlife.org. We've got some resources over there for you to look at a guide to having a difficult conversation, five steps to having a difficult conversation that can help you negotiate some of those problematic relationships in your life. We also have a 52 essential skills for success in business and life self assessment. Uh, We've picked out 52 skills, soft skills, communication skills, emotional intelligence skills that you need to be able to be more successful in your life. It's an opportunity for you to download that and assess how you are doing in those areas. Find the ones that you do well, find the ones that you don't do well. And then give you some opportunities to kind of improve on some of those areas. So both of those will be at the show notes for this program, which you will be able to find at mindforlife.org forward slash zero six. Six, this is our 66th episode of the Mind for Life podcast, and it is about confirmation bias. So let's get into it, shall we? What exactly is confirmation bias? Maybe you've heard of it before, uh, but what confirmation bias is, is a a cognitive, maybe you might call it a glitch or a deficiency. Um, As someone noted, the human brain is capable of 10 to the 16th power processes per second, which makes the human brain far more powerful than any computer currently in existence today. So that is 10 to the 16th. That's 10 with 16 zeros behind it You know, obviously six zeros is a million, so nine zeros would be a billion, 12 zeros, a trillion, 15 zeros, a quadrillion, 16 zeros is 10 quadrillion processes per second the human brain is capable of. I might not have my math right on that, so if you do detect that's wrong or I've said it incorrectly, please share it with me. But that doesn't mean that our brain, even though it can process all of those things, has uh, doesn't have limitations. Um, Our brain does have limitations because of those 10 to the 16th processes that our brain is capable of, there's only a few that we can be aware of. Uh, As we've mentioned on this podcast before, a lot of those things kind of take place on autopilot. Our brain is continually working over and over and over again, but there's only several per second that we're able to actually be drawn to our awareness, that are able to be drawn to our awareness. Uh, I've given the example before, if you're sitting on a chair or if you are standing up right now, you are probably not aware of the pressure between the chair and your rear end or between the floor or the bottom of your shoe, the insole of your shoe and your foot. Although there is pressure there and your brain is constantly managing that pressure outside of your awareness. So the brain can do so much, but we are only able to be aware of it. Um, And we are subject to these limitations in our thinking, glitches, as you might call them, that cause us to make questionable decisions and that cause us to reach erroneous conclusions. Many times you might ask the question, how is it somebody can't see that? This happens quite often in politics. How is it that other side can't see this situation as clearly as I can? Um, If you are talking, for example, about guns, let's talk about guns. Democrats will say, how is it that Republicans cannot see that guns kill people? That pe- when there's more guns, there is more potential for gun violence. And Republicans will say, How is it that Democrats can't see that guns don't kill people? It's people that kill people. And so you have this constant back and forth of people not being able to perceive the same thing. Why is it that? One side, be it Democrats or Republican, continually feeds itself with information that agrees with their prior belief structure. That's what confirmation bias is. We have a bias in our thinking that we actively seek out information that agrees with our already held belief structure. And in fact... Tech companies have capitalized on this and continue to make more and more money on advertising and providing information that already agrees with people's previously held belief systems. The algorithms themselves maybe they are artificial intelligence learning algorithms, but an artificial intelligence learning algorithm that studies human behavior and then continues to operate on that would then naturally recognize confirmation bias and then create itself in an image so that it will give information that agrees with the confirmation bias that we already, uh, that we all hold. So that's a long way of saying that the algorithm looks at human behavior, learns that people already like getting information that they already agree with, and so structures itself in a way so that it gives people information that they already agree with. We get caught in these echo chambers of information, news articles, news clips, videos, podcasts, or whatever that provide information that we already agree with. That's what confirmation bias is. So um, now the question is why? You know, why is it that we only visit websites that express or agree with our previously held political opinions? Why do we mostly hang out with people who hold similar views to us and have similar tastes than we do? Why is it that we are put off or tend to be put off by individuals or groups or news sources that make us feel uncomfortable or that make us feel insecure about our views or that have hold uh, views that disagree with our views? One of the reasons for this is what psychologists call cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance. Back in 1957, A man by the name of Leon Festinger, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Leon Festinger published A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance. A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance, and it has become one of the most influential theories in social psychology. Um, It's generated hundreds and hundreds of studies from which much has been learned about the determinants of attitudes and beliefs of people, the internalization of values, why we believe certain things, why we do certain things, consequences of decisions, and the effects of disagreements among people. So what does cognitive, cognitive dissonance do? What does it mean? Uh, cognitive dissonance is the feeling that you get when you learn something um, or you hold, uh, learn something different from what you already believe, or you try to hold two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. When you have things inside of your mind that you believe that disagree or are inconsistent with one another, you have this cognitive dissonance. And the theory is that people tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So we te- why do we have cognitive bias? Or excuse me, why do we have confirmation bias? We have confirmation bias because we do not want that existential angst, if you will, or that situation of conflict within us when we are experiencing two conflicting values, attitudes, or perceptions. So for some people, that conflict, that cognitive dissonance causes feelings of unease or discomfort or a general unsettledness about life. Um, And so what happens in order to avoid that feeling, in order to avoid that unsettledness, we will find ways when we experience information that does not agree with a previously held belief system or a previously held value or attitude or perception. We will, to avoid the cognitive dissonance, try to find ways to fit that into our previously held value system, attitude, perception or belief or we will find ways to justify and di- our own previously held belief systems our previously held values our previously held attitudes and discredit that new information that conflicts with what we already believe um so we have a tendency to try to find ways to justify our behavior or justify what we already previously believe in order to avoid cognitive dissonance. And that's one of the reasons why confirmation bias is prevalent, because we as human beings have a tendency to want to avoid this cognitive dissonance, this feeling of unsettledness when we do not have logical consistency or when we do not have beliefs that are coming to us or perceptions or attitudes or values that are coming to us that disagree with things that we already hold. Now, this kind of gets back to a little bit of a deeper problem, I would say, when it comes to our thinking and when it comes to. The idea of knowledge and perception as it is, and that is this, all knowledge is experiential. There is no knowledge available to us outside of human experience. Think of it this way. You have never not been in your world. In your world, everything that encompasses your world, you are the constant. And everything in your world, everything that you know, is filtered through you. All of the knowledge that you have, there is nothing within the, the knowledge that you hold that is outside of you. It's your experience and that knowledge comes to you filtered through your experience. You could make the statement, the knower and the known you and what you know, me and what I know are inseparable. You cannot separate what you know from you. I cannot separate what I know from me. And in some sense, the knower and the known are two aspects of the same thing. Think of it like this. You never get access to the world as it is. We might think we do because we forget ourselves. But the world, your world, is always the world plus you. My world is always the world plus me. Think of it like this. It is your perceptions of the world plus you. In fact, as Gregory Bateson once said, We don't perceive the world. We perceive the products of our perception. Now, think of it like that. The world is not the world. The world is just a product of your perception. Because it's through your experience. It is the world through your experiences. The world through your eyes and your ears and your past and your tradition and your history and your touch and your taste that's how you get the world right it's the product of your perception and what you see when you see the world is not really the world it is something that has been filtered and colored and adapted and brought through your own perceptions you see you perceive the products of your own perceptions Um, another scholar who I've spoken about on this program before Alfred Korzybski said it like this um Whatever I say a thing is, it is not. And we talked about this a little bit on the last program. There is this medium of language that also filters the world for us. And that medium of language is our own experience of language as well. You know, it is... um, It is an experience that we have when we have learned language and growing up in this world, we have this medium that filters the world for us. Uh, This is called um, in some sense, a phenomenological perspective, a phenomenological perspective. That's a fancy word. Basically phenomenology is a philosophical approach that concentrates on your consciousness, the study of your own consciousness and tries to, uh, develop a structure for human consciousness and then the objects of direct experience, like the phenomena that you experience. And one of the aspects of phenomenology is that all knowledge is experiential, that everything is filtered through your own perspective and through human experience. And so that we cannot just think about the world abstractly outside of ourselves, that when we think about the world, when we perceive about the world, when we theorize about the world, we always must theorize about that through our own direct experience. And within um, phenomenology, there are things such as um, intentionality, you know, that every, every act of human consciousness is intentional. These are things that Edmund Husserl, who was the Considered the father of phenomenology, talked about um, all consciousness is intentional. There can be no consciousness. There can be no conscious act. That is something that you actually think about within your conscious. There can be nothing outside of it being intentional. In other words, it's directed. Every act, every conscious act that you have is directed at something. And it is also filtered through your own experience. Phenomenology is a philosophy, a philosophical approach of experience, right? All knowledge, all meaning, all value comes through the lived experience of human beings. So even um, this has vast implications, right? Because studies, for example, scientific studies We like to say, and people like to say, oh, this is science, this is science. You know, this study showed this, this study showed that. Fair enough, that's important to say the study showed this or the study showed that, but what you must experience is that the study and the results of that study and the conclusions of that study and the perceptions and the observations that took place in that study all are filtered through the human experience of the people conducting the study. It is not outside of human experience. It's all within human experience because all knowledge is experiential. Now, what does that mean for confirmation bias? It means that your experience has an impact on what you perceive. Your experience has an impact on what you perceive. Your experience is already an interpretation. You cannot look at something and perceive something in the world without making an interpretation of that. You see something happen. A person walks into a store, walks out of a store. Someone comes running out of the store after them. You see that and you make a perception. You make an interpretation. You start to think, what is happening here? You start to try to make sense of that, which is an interpretation. We're trying to make sense of what's going on there. Well, that entire experience is colored through your own lived experience. It's filtered through your own lived experience. That knowledge... It comes to you through your experience and what's included in that experience. What's included in that experience are values, our attitudes, our belief structures, our traditions, and all of those things start to form the way that you interpret what you see going on in the world around you right? So that's how we come to this idea of confirmation bias, right? We see things in the world and those things are all coming to us through our own experiential knowledge. They are, excuse me, those things are all experiential knowledge and are coming to us and we are making interpretations. Those experiences that we have, those perceptions that we have, when they come to us, we're already making interpretations on that. And so when you get knowledge about something, someone writes a not, uh, a paper, or you hear a talking head on television, or you hear somebody important to you tell you something, about the world, or tell you a new piece of information, you begin to make an interpretation. You begin to filter that. Your brain does it and filters it through all of your experience, all of your past, all of your tradition, all of your value, all of your already held uh, presuppositions and biases. It comes to you that way. And then you start to make an interpretation on it. And confirmation bias is simply the idea that we make interpretations based on things that we already hold to be valuable and to be true in our own minds, rather than starting to go, maybe this is going to change the way that I think, or maybe this is going to change my perceptions about certain things. And I think um, advertisers have known this for a long time. In fact, uh, I once heard, forgive me because I don't know that I have the study or the facts on this, but I once heard that the majority of advertising is not to get new customers, but is to retain existing customers. So it is what is advertising? It's reinforcing All the things that are important to the people who already use the product, that's branding, right? Branding is increasing the uh, values and the attitudes and the beliefs that people already have about that product or that company and reinforcing those things in the minds of its already existing customers, right? We all know that it is way harder to get a new customer than it is to retain an existing customer. And so branding is a theory of advertising or a practice of advertising that is there to increase the perceptions and the values and the beliefs that already agree with the reasons why people have um, aligned themselves or identified themselves with the brand. Advertisers have known this, they use this on us, cognitive bias, our algorithms, the tech companies already know this, the algorithms are set up to do that. And what happens in this case is that we get into these echo chambers. We get into these echo chambers where all we hear are the things that we already believe or already agree with. Now, it might seem like we can't change our mind. That's not true. Human beings have the ability to change their mind. They do have the ability to change their values and their beliefs and their attitudes about things. But it takes thought. It takes work. um, It takes examination. And it takes self-awareness. You know, in order to change your mind about something, you first have to recognize that you are biased against changing your values, beliefs, and perceptions. Right? You have this default in you uh, that attempts to ignore the cognitive dissonance that takes place when you have disagreeing values or information that doesn't agree with your already set of presuppositions. You have this cognitive dissonance and then you have to figure out how do I deal with the cognitive dissonance? How do I handle that? How do I take two beliefs that may not agree with one another, two values that seem to be inconsistent or seem to be in opposition to one another? How do I take that and make that work within my own belief structure that's not easy, but we can hold two beliefs in that in in, uh, in our belief structure. We can we can hold those things. We can recognize the challenges that come with that. We can um, embrace, if you will, this um, angst, this unsettledness within our um, spirits. We can embrace that, and we can kind of live in that tension and recognize that. Uh, the world does not boil down to simplistic answers to complex questions a lot of these things and these issues are very complex and we don't like to admit that and so we seek simplistic answers to difficult questions and politicians prey on this right they think that you know one bill Or one policy is going to address all of the complexity of whatever the issue may be. And we've talked about that on this podcast as well. And so one of the ways that you can handle cognitive dissonance in your own mind is recognize that there are no simplistic answers to complex questions and that As much as we think we can know about whatever the issue may be, those issues are far more complex and there is far more than we can ever know about whatever that subject may be. And so that doesn't mean we just throw the baby out with the bathwater, but rather we recognize the complexity, we make as good a decisions as we can, and then we recognize that there's room in there for us to learn more. You can learn something from other people, and in fact, an assumption may be, uh, as I think Um, Jordan Peterson put in one of his books, assume that the person you're talking to knows more than you do about whatever the subject may be. Instead of assuming that you know everything and that you are correct and that your opinions and your values and your beliefs are right and there's a wrong. That gets into um, another theory, what we call attribution theory. And I think that's a good place to break off And maybe we will address attribution theory in our next episode. So thanks for listening to this. Again, we're in this series on impacts on human perception. And again, want to draw your attention to our website, to our blog. There's a lot of resources there and articles that you can read. Uh, If you liked and enjoyed this podcast, please Head online, give us a review, um, share it with your friends, share it with your family. So appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. For all of our free resources, go to mindforlife.org. And the show notes for this will be at mindforlife.org forward slash 066. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.